0: Hey, welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sal Terdonado. The Black Knight Nation podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon, a company that is ran by Joe Ross. Joe Ross is a former Army fullback, former Army assistant coach, former Army officer. He was a guest on the Black Knight Nation podcast, and we're back on the Black Knight Nation podcast. We took a little bit of a hiatus, but um, we brought in a great guest tonight uh, to talk some Army football and to talk maybe uh, even beyond Army football, John, John Bonamigo. John, thanks so much for joining us tonight.
1: Oh, it's a great pleasure to be here. It's truly an honor. Thank you for asking. And man, I can't wait to see some of these questions come in.
0: Yeah, Guys, if you're watching right now and you have any questions for myself or uh, John, please send them in. We'll get them answered. Uh, We'll get to talk about John's time as an Army assistant. We'll get to talk about maybe John's time before that because he has a little bit of an Army background in his family. and uh, We'll talk about a bunch of stuff. If if you're watching right now, check out our website, blacknightnation.com. I just posted a story on a recruit from South Carolina, defensive lineman Ben Britton, who committed to the Black Knights. I'm going to have a few more recruiting stories up there as soon as as I can, and um, subscribe on the Black Knight Nation pot, uh, YouTube channel and uh, give us a thumbs up. Uh, John, usually we start off with like with, uh, former Army football players about their path to West Point and how they got to West Point, but maybe we could talk a little bit about your background first of all, because um, your dad was in the Army, right? So I mean, did, you had a little bit of experience before you got to West Point about maybe what, what it was all about.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I grew up an Army brat, dad. Uh, my dad enlisted in the army straight out of high school, uh, qualified for OCS. So we kind of grew up, uh, going from base to base, you know, a couple, uh, in Fort Riley, Kansas, Fort Benning, Georgia, um, gosh, uh, North Carolina. We were in Fort Kaiserslautern, Germany, Vicenza, Italy, uh, you know, Dad did two tours of Vietnam in Vietnam, so um, we were back in Michigan during those times. But yeah, it, it was um, it, you know the the military was definitely in our bloodlines. I mean, my brother uh, was in the Marine Corps, uh, sister married an Air Force uh, officer, and uh, you know my mom really is the superstar of the of the family. She was a profession. Uh, she was a uh, station manager with the Red Cross. Kind of worked her way up from a volunteer to assistant, say, station manager. And and really, the last ten years of her career, um, she was pretty much deployed wherever we had boots on the ground. So she was uh, she was in the first Gulf War. Uh, she did some time in Somalia, some Haiti, Bosnia, uh, Kosovo. Um, always there in support of the troops of our troops with the uh, Red Cross.
0: So you're growing up with Army and your family. Was there um, coming for you as younger and out of high school? Did you ever consider that route or,
1: or no? I, I did. You know, I, I actually started the process of applying to West Point. Um, but then, you know, some other, it, it's all about recruiting. I, I think if, if I had been recruited, I probably would have been there. But you know, quite honestly, I don't think I had the academics to to get into West Point. I'd have been a prep schooler for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I guess it probably took the easier way and, and went to a Midwest directional school.
0: Right. Right. We'll get into that a little later um, later about, you know, going back there. Um, so how do you end up at Army? Um, Bob Sutton's the, the coach at Army. How, how, how do you end up at, at West Point as a coach?
1: well really there was um you know there were a couple guys on the staff that I knew um, namely Bill Sheridan uh, and I'd worked with bill at the University of Maine and um, there was a job opening and and you know that it's that's the way it is a lot of times in life and certainly in, in coaching you never really get the job that you're looking for uh, you know I would always advise people young coaches just you know do the best job you can where you're at And then the jobs will find you because that's how it's happened with me uh, pretty much my entire career. I just got a call one day and, you know, it was Bill Sheridan said, hey, we're going to have a position open, you know, are you interested? And, you know, one thing led to another, ended up up there on a a quick uh, uh, interview. I think it was Valentine's Day interview and uh, was offered the job and then the rest is history.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So you had experience coaching um, uh, at Maine, and where wh- were your other stops before West Point? It was really Maine and Lehigh. I was at Lehigh University, that you know, for a
1: year before I went to Army.
0: How did how did you how did you how does one start coaching? Like, how did you get your coaching? In, 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 how did you start? What was, how, how well, did you get involved? You know, in it?
1: I was fortunate. I, I think uh, right around my sophomore year in college, you know i I had started to really think about coaching as a career, um finished up my undergrad. And then you know really, my junior senior year started to ask a lot of questions. Um, we had a we had a coach on our staff that 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 uh, came on board at Central right as I was finishing up by the name of paul alexander. and and Coach Alexander was great mentor for me Paul ended up coaching the National Football League for over 30 years and uh you know Paul was like you need to be a graduate ass- you, you have to be a graduate assistant um you know if you want to be at the Division One level you got to try to you know get to the Division One level so I literally wrote to every single Division One school in the country um you know, I think there was 120 at the time and, and got 120 rejection letters. Didn't know there were rejection letters. I actually thought that they were going to keep my resume on file because, you know, who, why wouldn't they want me? You know, so um, I still have those in a book. Um, it's good. It served as good motivation for me over the years. But, you know, again, it just kind of I'll go back to Bill Sheridan. I worked the Michigan camp. um As a volunteer, uh, Coach Sheridan had been a graduate assistant at Michigan, he was at the University of Maine, they were looking for a graduate assistant. Uh, He called Paul Alexander, Paul Alexander said, you need to uh, hire John Bonamigo and Bill Sheridan said, yeah, I met him at the Michigan camp. And again, you know, it's, um, you you know, your reputation is so important, really in any business. but. You know, how you treat people, I think, on a, on a daily basis is, you uh, know, it's critical, uh, you know, for you just to, for your own self-image and your self-worth, but also, you know, you never know uh, who's going to be aware at some point. I remember Dickie Hall had a, uh, had a sign in the locker room down in the equipment room at Army that said, you know, be careful. You know, the ask you chew today might be the one you have to kiss tomorrow. So, uh, apologize for the language, but uh, okay. you know, I, I just really um, was fortunate that um, you know. I think my mom really watching her um, how people were with her in the Red Cross. You know, she was always there to help people. Um, really, a um, a servant leader, and uh, I've really tried to model myself after. After my parents, I was fortunate to have great, great, great role models in my house.
0: So um, we talked about you know how you got to West Point. West Point is your first, um, you know, back then one, one a job, right? Now yep. FCS, uh, FBS, and uh, you know back then, like you were saying before we jumped on here, I mean you were a couple different hats you were wearing, right? You weren't you weren't just a special teams coordinator at the Army. You were also the recruiting coordinator at the Army. Yeah. So I mean. What was that transition like for you? This, you what know, was like your first day on the job at Army, like, John?
1: <laughs> I, I can't remember honestly. I know I started off as one of the in one of the uh, restricted earnings positions. Uh, the first year I was with Coach Sheridan uh, with the outside linebackers, and then in the spring moved to fullbacks with uh, with uh, Coach Seymour. That's where I had you know, Joe Ross in the meeting room as, you know, of all people that you mentioned. So it was really, um, you know, in the spring, I think what happened was um, the NCAA had had a rule where they were allowed to have your nine full-time assistants plus a recruiting coordinator, but they they eliminated the recruiting coordinator position. And so really it was Coach Sutton's brainchild. He said, you know, you've done special teams, and you know I, you've worked really closely with with Tim Mingi who was the recruiting coordinator we're going to combine those two jobs because we couldn't you know at West Point especially with um, you know with the volume of of you know the of individuals that you need to vet you you just couldn't do it in a like a normal place you know it was it was too big of a job um, you know, you're, you're talking about trying to recruit all 50 states. Uh, this was before, you know, the internet was really, um, being utilized in recruiting. There were no, uh, I think the only recruiting service was collegiate sports data, uh, which was ba- basically a state by state list of high schools and names. And, and then, you know, you still had to vet those, those prospects academically, athletically, uh, and in every other way, so um, it, it worked out, you know, and I told you off, off um, you know, off the air before we started, I think it was, I think I was well into my fourth year before I took a vacation in the summertime. I just never felt like I could afford to leave. The, the worst time of day was when, when they would drop the mail off, you know, because there'd just be, you know, someone had to go through it, and that somebody was me, <laughs> so
0: didn't have any athletic interns at that point did they john that you could get get no, that assignment no, to her
1: no but what we did have was the uh and the guy who these guys were so valuable to us were the were the football managers you know those guys uh, did a tremendous amount of work for us in the off season and even during the season um you know just kind of going through things i mean one and i, I can't take credit for this but one of the one of the things that we used to do every year, and I got this from Tim Mingi, was we had a uh, we had a database of all the sports editors for every newspaper in the country, and I would go down to um, the athletic office and I would get a cash advance for like three hundred fifty dollars in, in one dollar bills, and uh, we had a form letter that we sent out to uh, every sports editor asking them for If they would please send us their all-star team. And so, you know, you start getting these, you know, these newspapers in and, you know, by the time we got them, we weren't looking for, you know, we weren't interested in the seniors. We were interested in the underclassmen. We would, we would put those, you know, those, all of those names would get input into our system and then they would be sent uh, an athletic questionnaire, which I don't know how it is now, but back then, the athletic questionnaire, once somebody, um, once a prospective athlete uh, completed one and sent it back in, that was the equivalent of someone uh, filling out a pre-candidate questionnaire for admissions. So once that questionnaire, which a lot of times, we we might be the first school that a kid heard from back then, uh, but once they turned in the questionnaire, now they were in our system. And they were also in the admission system. So, uh, you know, it was it was a lot more labor intensive. Uh, and that's really where those managers helped out. You know, they would open up a lot of that mail and highlight those lists and, and uh, input that data. Um, man, we used to send out probably 300 uh, VHS tapes, you know, blank VHS tapes to high school coaches. And, you know, those would come back and you know that would have those in addition. You know they weren't. It wasn't just about like evaluating them. It was cataloging them and organizing them. You know, so um, a lot of work. Uh, you know, a lot of work. And and I just remember. You know, uh, shoot the ladies at work in the office. Liz Schrammick. She was she was outstanding. Laura Drayton. Um, Jen Guzman. Now. Uh, Jen was Jen was there, Yvette, you know, they all helped out. They pitched in. But those those managers did a a lot of they did a lot of work for us.
0: Yeah. And so um just fast forward real quick, when um after you know, your time in the army, you have a, a time in the NFL where you're assistant coach, but then you go back to your alma mater and then you're dealing with a whole different world of recruiting, right? I mean, like now this is easy, right? You got this, you got this ace, right?
1: Yeah. It's, it's funny because, you know, you, you get into the NFL and, you know, you're a young coach and, uh, you know, you're like a quote college guy, right? And then no one really bothers to tab you on, you know, tap you and say, Hey, you're not a college guy anymore. You're an NFL guy. And like, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the biggest things that I had to overcome, um, was really before getting the job because I really don't believe that recruiting has changed that much. It really, it's still, you know, it's still about develop, you know, having, having a great product to sell, which to me, you know, selling West Point and army football was was easy. You know, it it really now not, that doesn't mean everybody was going to buy it, but it was, it's a great institution. It's a phenomenal education. It's a, Historic football program. I mean, it's everything a young man could possibly want. So it was it was easy to sell Army football, but you know, you also need to sell yourself. Now, you know, I say it hasn't changed. It's changed from the the methods that we use to con. You know, like now you're DMing on Twitter, or you know, you're and you know, you're making graphics and stuff. But it's still you know everything. You know it's always going to boil down to you know the personal connection um you know personal relationships you know so you you when you walk in the door you're selling yourself first and and then you know when you sell you if you can make that connection then it's easy to sell your uh your your institution because you should be you should be passionate about it i, w- I was very passionate about selling. Um, and recruiting to West Point. And then I was equally as, if not, you know, just as passionate to sell uh, Central Michigan as a, as a head football coach. No
0: doubt. We have a comment, Coach. We have Dan McElroy chiming in here saying, Coach Bono changed my life when he recruited me to play to Army. Hope all is well, Coach.
1: Thank you, Dan. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a – gosh, there's so many of those – those young men that, uh, you know, th- th- that still stay in touch. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's amazing. I got a text from Pat work today, you know, uh, mm. I, I had a con- phone conversation with uh, Ron Thomas just the other day. I, 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 stay in touch with Shane Graham and, you know, Eddie Stover and, uh, mm. you know, Jim Slomka is my boss now, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really, you know, it really is a very tight knit uh, fraternity for for a lot of really you know very very good real reasons. I mean, uh, you know, my hat goes off. You know, I tip my hat to those guys still to this very day for you know what they mean to our country that, for their service and really for taking the hard path, taking the path that's uh, less traveled and you know, there's a reason, there's a reason those guys are, are, you know, all successful when they, you know, lead the service. And it's not just because they graduated from West Point, but it's what they learned there what they, you know, the, the different, you know, they, they have to endure a lot, you know, a a tremendous amount. And, you know, I don't think even having coach there, um, I, I still, you know, I, I just have so much respect for all of those kids for, for everything that they do.
0: Yeah. Uh, Pat work and Ed Stover are people are p- former army players that we've had on this podcast in pr- prior uh, episodes. I mean, just amazing. Uh, Ed Stover, man, he's great. <laughs> he's The personality of Ed Stover is like, uh, man, he'll, he certainly will light up a room, no doubt. And uh, yeah. Pat work, what the things that he's still doing in the army are really, uh, uh, really incredible, and yeah, uh, just some good stuff. Just some good yeah. stuff. Uh, just um, when so when you when you're so you say you're, you're you you move around to positions and linebackers and fullbacks and and that to like um, but I mean in the, the time that you're there, um, Bob Sutton's been the head coach for a while, uh, there's some firm ground there, and there's you know there's some su- su- success in in the big rivalry game right against Navy and the like. Um, what what do you think? Um, just the state of army football was when you, you were coaching there and in your years there, what, what was the, what was the vibe like? And what was, you know, the energy like in, with, with army football?
1: I, I always felt the energy was, was outstanding. You know, I, I really did. Um, I think at that time, I think from a facility standpoint, we were a little bit behind the air force Academy, you know, uh, coach DeBerry had been there, done a, a really good job. And, and I just think that, you know, unfortunately, you know, or I guess fortunately we've, we've overcome that, that part of it, but, um, that was the edge I always felt that, that air force had on, on army, um, that, and I thought, you know, the ability to, uh, maybe, you know, and I don't want to, I'm not, certainly hope I don't want to offend anybody, but they, you know, they have the ability maybe to glamorize the military service aspect of the commitment. Um, so I, I just felt like the kids that we got, the kids that chose West Point, were were um, were extremely grounded. Um, you know, there wasn't any question about it. I mean, their days suck. You know, the best part of their days was probably, I don't want to speak for anybody, but, you know, coming up to... Uh, Mikey Stadium for practice you know which that in itself makes them different from <laughs> from a lot of college football players that maybe don't view practice as a great thing i think the way we practiced um and the way we competed uh you know i never felt like we were you know i never felt like we were ever out of it you know i never felt like oh man we're going to get you know outclassed we we had um you know, we had uh, we had players that just had the ability to rise to the occasion. And, uh, you know, it's just a tremendous credit to them and, uh, you know, everything that they've learned as Army cadets.
0: We talked about a few, but I mean, the players that were um, that lined up for Army during the time that you were there. I mean, some of the guys, I mean, just uh, I look at um, Gergadson was there when you were there or now. Uh, that Greg was before me. I know
1: Greg, you know, I got to meet Greg, yeah. through Mike Mike Sullivan, you know, Sully's, you know, Mike's Sully is my middle son's godfather. You know, I, I wanted, you know, my son to have be, you know, I wanted to have him, him have an affiliation uh, with Army football that was, you know, you know, something meaningful. And, and so, uh, you know, Sully and I were working together with the Jaguars at that time. And uh so when when Giovanni was born, uh Mike Sullivan was became my son's godfather.
0: Great fashion. Um you talk about we talked about Pat work. We had uh you know, you had the guys like Ben Kawika, Ronnie Makeda, guys like that. Yep. I mean, just incredible people yep. that we've had on the, on the show before. And I mean, um McElrath is before your time or is McElrath by, during about
1: one year. Yep. He just, he had yeah. just finished up, you know, the year before. My first season was ninety-three. I think he he uh yeah. he was a class of ninety-two, I believe.
0: You know, characters like Joel Davis were on the team, right? I mean,
1: yeah, I mean I, I recruited Joel when I was at um the University of Maine. And so I remember going to uh doing a home visit at his home uh in he's from Binghamton, New York. And so yes. Uh, and, and he told me, you know, he was like, coach, you know, I like you, you're a good guy, but I'm going to West point. And I'm like, okay, that's great. You know, uh, th- another great, probably the greatest recruiting story of all time was, uh, was, uh, Anthony Bianchi.
0: Yeah. Well, you got there. I was going to ask you about some good recruiting stories that you had at yeah. Army since you were well, heavily involved. Well, Bianchi,
1: so what, so what happened with Bianchi, you know, he's from Tampa and, uh, you know, he he takes a visit to Lehigh, an official visit. And I had already accepted the job at West Point and uh, but I stayed through the final recruiting weekend because we had you know, I had a couple kids that I was recruiting I needed to, to finish up with. Now Anthony wasn't mine, but because of the last name, um, they asked me to go pick his dad up to the air, at the airport. So you know, Mr. Bianchi and I hit it off really well. We're, we're speaking Italian and you're going back and forth. And, and he told me, he said, you know, you know, Signora Bonamigos, you know, you're a very good man. I, I really like you, you know, but I'm just going to tell you, Lehigh is a very nice school, but my son, Anthony is not going to go to Lehigh. My son, Anthony is going to go I'm just telling you right now, he's going to go to West Point. And I said, Mr. Bianchi, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I'll be with your son in West Point, you know, in, when he gets there in the fall. And so we, we still laugh about that. And uh, I think he's he's back at West Point, I believe, right now. He's in, you know,
0: yeah, garrison commander. Last time yeah. I heard he was the garrison commander, yeah. yeah. Pretty high position. Um, any other interesting stuff any other interesting recruiting yeah, stories you have
1: I mean, there's there's a bunch of them you know like but it's probably some most of them we shouldn't probably tell on the air you know I have a really good one about Eddie Stover you know after he graduated but uh, again the statutes of limitations probably it up but i I probably shouldn't tell that one well
0: it's different right when you go into a home uh, of a recruit, um, even, even back then it's different. There's a lot of things that are going on in the world. And, um, I mean, it, it, like you say, you, you can sell West point, you can sell yourself and some mm-hmm. of the, you're looking for some really special people that, that, that want to get the, one of the best educations they that, that's possible and also play a high level football too. So,
1: yes, there's no question. I, and I think, you know, uh, I, I think you need some, you have to, it takes a person that can can project out into the future, you know, to someone who's maybe willing to um, sacrifice some of the freedoms that you would have on the short term for, for really more freedom on the back end. You know, I mean, I don't know if it still holds true, but my number one line was that, you know, a West Point graduate Goes into the army as a second lieutenant has more responsibility than 98% of all college graduates, and that that includes people coming out of the Ivy League schools and whatever. And, and it's true, you know, they're they're immediately put into positions that they've earned, that they're they're qualified and and prepared for. But you know, many times they're they're responsible for millions of dollars of equipment. They're leading they're leading people and you know, they're responsible for those, the safety of those people as well. So, um, you know, you can't, you know, you can't undersell that. You can't under or under, you know, undervalue how important that is, you know, just the the leadership, uh, uh, the leadership aspect of it, the training, and then the practical experience of actually going
0: out and doing it. Yeah, no doubt. Um maybe we could shift a little bit and talk about you know um uh some of the um the highlights for you as a um as a coach at army as far as on the field i know there were some really um late kicks and that some some great like uh, special teams um you know plays while you were coach and stuff like that do um do a few do any stick out do a few stick out for you as far as um you know uh, a game winning kick or a crucial play well, in special teams all, when you were coach? all of the,
1: all of the navy games stick out, you know, every single one of them, because they're all so close. And they, you know, so many of those came down to a kick here or there, you know, an extra point. But I think probably, um, in, uh, in, um, beating, beating air force at home at night, uh, was, was probably one of the, the sweetest, sweetest wins ever, uh, it was 96. And, um, you know, I remember we had put in a, uh, a return for them. It was just a double three kick out two, which is something that nearly everybody runs now. But at that time you weren't seeing as much of it and we really hadn't shown it and put it on film. And it was really critical part in the game. And, you know, Air Force had scored, to I think to get within seven or three and, you know, they kick off to us and then you know, Ron Thomas was our returner speedy. And I mean, he'll tell you, I used to tell him like, don't get ta- just don't get tackled by the kicker. Don't get, tack- <laughs> don't get, don't let the kicker tackle you. But he, you know, it didn't score, but we, we, you know, break this return out, you know, past midfield and then, uh, you know, end up going and and scoring on that drive. And and I remember, you know, I kept the article, uh, Coach DeBerry came out and said, you know, probably the most frustrating thing was after we scored to get the game within three points, you know, we allowed, you know, we allowed Army to to return the ball past midfield. So, um, that was, you know, that was, uh, you know, that was probably the most satisfying win if you were going to pick one for me.
0: And here's, you, you've had a, you know, a long time. NFL career too, and when you put that win amongst some of the victories you had in even NFL, that's that's really that's really saying something, Coach.
1: There there isn't any question in my mind throughout my career, and even you know, I mean, obviously having the opportunity to be a head coach, especially at your alma alma mater, is 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 really special. But you know, I you know, I would not have had the career that I had in the NFL. I would not have uh, been as successful as a head coach in college had i not uh spent the six years that i had at army because it was just such a it was a, such a tremendous uh learning uh environment for me or laboratory um you know coach sutton was was awesome to work for because he really you know he trusted us, he trusted us and uh you know, he, he let us do our thing. You know, he, he let us, he let us coach. And it's not to say that he didn't question things or, you know, because he did, but it was always in a introspective way or healthy way. You know, it was always healthy discussion. And really when it came to special teams, he, he really let me pretty much do whatever I wanted to do. And so, you know, a lot of the drill work, the fundamentals, I just learned, you know, I learned so much, um, you know, through trial and error while I was at Army. I mean, at that time, you know, there just weren't really many special teams coordinators, put it that way, you know, in college football or, you know, even in the, in the NFL. I went in the I went in the NFL as a number two as an assistant, and I think uh, in '99, I think there was only two other teams that had assistance so i was one of three so it really you know but i i i just learned you know I, I remember i always go back to lombardi's look lombardi's quote where he said he was a neophyte before he worked at west point for red blake and i i feel the same way i feel like i was a, a neophyte as a coach you know Prior to you know earning my stripes at West Point and having the opportunity to work under uh, Bob Sutton and really on uh, staffs that had phenomenal coaches. I mean, you look at where so many of those guys have ended up and been and gone, and you know it, it's it's amazing. It really is amazing that the the collection of assistants, the number of assistants that Bob Sutton had that ended up coaching in the NFL. And, you know, I mean, and guys that are still doing really great, you know, great things. And, and, uh, you know, uh, even you throw, throw Benny Kawika in there. I mean, Benny's doing a great job. He's out in Denver now, you know, I'm really proud of Ben, you know, Ben was on the punt team, you know, all four years. So, and, um, uh, you know, just, uh, a lot of very fond memories, a lot of lessons learned and, uh, a lot of important lessons learned and uh you know again it wasn't all it wasn't all like uh roses and sunshine and there were there were tough days too you know there were there were definitely some tough days and some tough games but uh i never never went into a game feeling like you know we were we didn't have a chance I knew we always had a chance
0: yeah, a couple of things I wanted to touch on is the the, the Bob Sutton coaching tree. It's something I, I was gonna do a story on when I was a reporter because you're right. There's just so many guys that during that during the time that Coach Sutton was there, and then you look at Coach Sutton and how he made his mark in the NFL too. And it's just like man, there there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of coaches. Yourself included, um, you know, Bill Sheridan, right? Is another guy Perry. that saw time in the NFL. I, I know I'm missing a bunch. Perry Fuel. Oh, of course
1: Perry, fuel um shoot let me think you know ed warner, sullivan right yeah mike sullivan ed you know sully's in pittsburgh uh ed warner was you know shoot ed coached like, michigan ohio State. you know won a national championship um gosh i mean you know and then you know guys like johnny burnett you know uh l- love coach burnett you know was just Again, I was a young coach. Lived right around the corner from me, and and uh on Bartlett Loop. You know, kind of put his arm around me, and you know, was a was a mentor to me. John Seymour was a was a mentor to me. You know, those guys were, you know, Greg Gregory. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, you know, Greg was, you know, shoot, we, we just there were so many so many outstanding people, you know, people and coaches that that. Uh, that came through there.
0: When you mentioned, like, you know, you there weren't that many special teams coordinators in college football when you did it. There weren't that many assistant NFL um, special teams guys when you did it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you feel like – not that you were a pioneer, but would, do you feel like you were, invo- like, involved in something, you know, early on with you, that it something clicked yeah. with you in special teams?
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd tell you how what happened was my uh, second year as a graduate assistant at University of Maine. Uh, we had a head coaching change. Uh, Tom Lichtenberg was our head coach and he hired this guy by the name of John Baxter. Uh, Bax is still a f- great friend of mine. Bax has had a he's back at Fresno now. But, you know, Bax was about my age. But here he was. He was already a full time coach. and He'd been a graduate assistant at Iowa State and at Arizona uh, with Dick Tomey and, and, you know, Bax affected me in a very positive way because he introduced me to special teams the importance of it. And then he got me started on, uh, on the computer. And, uh, you know, I had my, you know, I had my first, you know, I had my first laptop, you know, back in, um, uh, gosh, it would have been like 88, 89, you know, when there were, So I got to jump on things. Um, I saw uh, the kicking game as a way to advance in the profession, but more than that, I really enjoyed coaching it because I felt like um, you got to work with the entire team and um, there wasn't any area of the kicking game that we couldn't relate right back to offense and defense. And that was... um, you know, that was a, it was exciting, you know, because when you say like kickoff coverage schemes, all right, well, that's a def. it's a defense, you know, uh, a punt return is a defense, but it's also, you know, an offensive play, kickoff returns are offensive plays. And I, you know, I still teach that way. I'll say, okay, this, this return is like inside zone. This is, you know, outside zone. This is like, this one's like power because we're doubling down and kicking out. So, um, you know, when you teach that way and, and there's there's carryover, I think it makes a lot more sense for the player. So I, I do think, you know, I wouldn't say I was revolutionary. I think that uh, I came along at the right time. I embraced something. Um, I studied it. I worked at it. And, you know, in a very short amount of time, had was able to have a fair fairly good amount of success where where people noticed and. You know then i became the teacher you know where people were coming to <laughs> yeah. to visit me to learn which you know i've always um i've always embraced that I, I think people that are really good at what they do are not afraid to share because they know that they're continually evolving themselves you know so i can share you know i can share everything that i know with somebody that doesn't mean that they're going to actually, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to go out and be able to have the same success. And then, you know, what I know today is not going to be what I know tomorrow or next week, because I'm going to keep evolving and I'm going to keep continuing to, to grow and learn.
0: I want to get to your NFL um career in in a second but first when when you talk about like you know passing it along so paying it forward so to speak as a coach is there anything that you either see now or anything that you saw in the past to say okay yeah that was that was kind of something that you kind of came up with sort of and now it, it's used a lot forgive me for not knowing knowing but is there is there something
1: that? um that you know I think I think it's it's hard to make those claims. I think. I mean, and I know people that would gladly do that, but I'm not one of them. I, I mean, I, I I've always looked. You know, you. I think you know one of the greatest advice that anybody ever gave me was coach what you know. You know, uh, coach what you know because there's so many different ways to do do things, right? But and and I think when people get in trouble. With, not just in the kicking game, but offensively, defensively, is when they try to deviate too far from what they really are and what they know. You know, um, it doesn't always have to be different. You know, it, it is. It can be the same, but really good. You know, um, I would take. I would say. You know, players over players over scheme, you know, match. I think, I think one of the things that that I learned very early on uh, that served me well at West Point was, you know, the importance of matchups, you know, uh, knowing, knowing it's not, it's not just a kickoff team coming, you know, coming at you. It's there's 11 individuals on there. And those 11 players have strengths and weaknesses and, you know, just, Uh, formulating a game plan to, you know, to take advantage of somebody's weaknesses or neutralizing their best players. I think, you know, across the board that, you know, those things are just really, really important. But, you know, uh, coaching what you know, I I see far too many people that are just trying to advance their their career because they want to do something different to try to create a splash. And that's okay if it works, but, you know, ultimately it's, it's, you know, does the team win or, you know, what are you doing to help the team win? And that doesn't always mean running something flashy. I mean, uh, there's not, there's not a lot of, you know, the, the, a punt, you know, punt plays, not real sexy, you know, I mean, neither as a kickoff coverage or, you know, but if it's not, if the protection aspect of it, isn't executed with precision and the coverage isn't executed with precision then it, then it's going to be flashy but for the other team right so you know yeah. you, you kind of you know you kind of want to avoid headlines I think a lot of times when you're a special teams guy uh you know my wife would joke with me and she'd say you know try to you know good luck honey try to stay off tv this week you know because it's in the NFL, I mean, what happens? Like, there's a bad, you know, there's a breakdown, you know, that camera goes right to that special teams coordinator, and, you know, it's a lonely place to be. You don't want to be, you don't want to be that guy. So, um, as far as innovating, you know, I, I, I couldn't say that, you know, I don't think I've ever been a really, or tried to be like this innovative coach. I just wanted to be Sound and good, and what a, you know, try to get the right guys in the right position and doing the right things.
0: I, I, I was gonna half jokingly ask you about the swinging gate play, but I don't even want to go there, coach. Um, but what I want to ask you a, a little bit about is be, um. Now, you talked about the Ron Thomas return and how that was a big play against Air Force, right? And mm-hmm. now you see so many fair catches on kickoff returns in the college game, right? Yeah. I was just wondering. I know it's a safety thing they're saying, right, and stuff like that. But I just wanted to maybe, if you had an opinion on that. I mean, I personally, well, I-, I like to see the ball get taken out a couple times here and there yeah.
1: So. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, de- I think it kind of depends on the conference and that sort of thing. I mean, I was at Iowa State last year and it seemed like nobody f- fair caught the ball. I mean, it felt like, you know, every, you know, th- there were some dynamic returners in that in that league last year and and uh, felt like everybody was, was running the ball out. But, um, you know, I'm there's nothing more important to me as a football coach than the players that, that that's the most important thing and so you know player player safety is is a very real issue um, you know it's 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 important for not just the players but for the the future of the game so uh, you know anything that helps that uh, I'm in favor of I mean I don't have to like it you know obviously but but uh what I you know, do I wish we could go back to the old days? Yeah, I do, but we've also seen a lot less guys get hurt, you know, and, uh, you know, nobody, you don't want, nobody wants to see somebody else get, someone get hurt uh, playing the game. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, you know, so I I think that, um, you know, there, there are issues. I think most of the rules changes that have uh, come about recently, a lot of them have been uh, have affected the kick kicking game, and you know as a coach you just gotta stay flexible and 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 keep coaching you know because you, even though the ball can be fair caught you, you need to be prepared to cover because there's gonna be a game where because of weather or whatever you know you 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 may not, not get that fair catches and you know I think that's you know, for your coverage team, you don't want them to get fair cut, you know, I call it fair catch spoiled, you know, where now all of a sudden they've got to go uh cover a kick and they're not they're not prepared to do it because they've been relying on the fair catches. Um you still get that all the time when you faced a uh you know a great returner like a Devon Hester or Dante Hall or you know, those guys it, I'd be like, you, you're not preparing differently for this guy because, you know, you're you're preparing all year for these guys, you know, the, the, because the eventuality and the reality is that, you know, in the NFL, everybody, everybody's got somebody back there that can't, you know, if you don't cover down and if you're not detailed and you're not precise, they're going to make you pay for it. And so, you know, you don't just change the way you coach or change the emphasis, you know, when you, when you, uh, you know, when you have to face one of those type of players, you, you know, you, you are building that throughout the year.
0: Yeah. You know, you look at the college game, right. And Army went so many years that 2007 was the last time a, a kick return or punt return went for a touchdown until last season when Tyrell Robinson took a punt back for Army. Yep. And it's like, man, it's like that's a long time. But now cool. um, we're hoping that Tyrell can get back onto the field for Army and see a couple more of those before his career is over, you know. Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah. um, now we, we just look in the background and we see the NFL jerseys on your wall and wanted to get to that. Mm-hmm. We should have got to there there a long time ago. Coach, apologize <laughs> for that. But I know you see like Drew Brees jersey, Steve Gleason jersey up there. And, you know, so you, your career expanded, um, you know, into two decades, right. Being a, being yeah. a special teams coordinator in, at the NFL level and, um, yeah. you know, um, started in Jacksonville, I guess. And that's right after the 98 season for army. And then there, you know, there's a mm-hmm. coaching change at West point, but I don't know if you were looking at the NFL before that, but how, how did you, how did, I think you talked about this a little bit, but how did your chance happen in the NFL? Yeah.
1: I mean, it just really, you know, again, um, Tim Mingy was in Jacksonville as a scout, um, there was an opening in Jacksonville and Coach Coughlin was looking for somebody that had a strong background in special teams, but also uh, had a very strong um, and admin- proven administrative abilities because the job, when I took it, I was, I was basically the, like the chief of staff. So I was assistant special teams, but I also did, you know, all of Coach Coughlin's schedules in season, in season, off season, training camp. And I was kind of the liaison between him and the different department heads in the facility. So you know, security, the equipment guys, um, the field, you know, the field management, the the cooks, you know, um, operations, all all of that stuff. And so, um, you know. Tim Mingy went up to him and said, you know, I've got the guy, I've got a guy for you. He's, you know, special teams coordinator at West Point. He's also the recruiting coordinator. And uh the interesting thing was, you know, when I spoke to Coach Coughlin, <clears throat> he made me promise him. <laughs> he made me promise him that I would accept the job if, if he brought me on, a, on an interview. You know, he said, now look, I'm not offering you the job, but he goes, if you you come down here and we click, I want to know that you're going to take this thing because evidently it gotten burnt once or twice with uh, with people using using the position as a leverage. So I, I was, uh, <coughs> excuse me, sorry about that. So um, I uh, I told him I said, Coach, if you offer me the job, I'll, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll take it.
0: <laughs> right, and that's
1: how it started off
0: wow and i mean it's um from you know going from jaguars packers you know um saints rams lions i'm missing somebody too and it's just like what I mean, and just like it's, I mean, when you're like you talked about, you know, you're you, you're you're trying to devise ways to stop guy like Devin Hester, one of the best return men in NFL history, right? Dante right. Hall, I mean, that's a, and plus when you're first getting into it, then you're doing all the others, so that's where like the recruiting coordinator stuff really paid off for you at West Point, right? It kind right. of helped you land
1: in the well, NFL. You know, well, Coach Coughlin had a reputation of being somebody that was a pretty very hard charger i mean we worked long hours and, and that sort of thing and, and and we really grinded but to me it was like this you guys this is you got to understand where i just came from now. i came from the the land of the grind right i mean you know no nobody nobody understands the grind more than you know the West Pointers, and so you know, to me it was just, it was just a different, different atmosphere, different town, different job, but the, the the grind was was no different. I don't think it was as hard as army in a lot of ways.
0: Wow. Now, do you? Um, I know that uh in twenty twenty one you were uh, on the Ram staff that won the Super Bowl. Um, do you have a a, a Fine memories, uh, or, or two of, of the, of your, t- your NFL time or, you know,
1: I think my favorite NFL, uh, memory would be, you know, this Jersey right here with Steve Gleason, um, you know, in 2006, I mean, I was part of, uh, coach Peyton's inaugural staff and, you know, the city, New Orleans had been devastated by, uh, by hurricane Katrina. And so, um, you know, just that whole training camp, uh, you know, we we're in Jackson, Mississippi, we didn't play a game, you know, we didn't even set foot in the Superdome until like the, you know, a couple days before that game, um, we went in, and, um, you know, just the way everything unfolded, and, and that kind of, you know, we, we both, both teams, us in Atlanta, come in three, and, you know, trying to be three, and zero, and, um, you know, this team that, the year before had been decimated by hurricane Katrina and I think one, two or three games ends up all the way in the NFC championship game and the thing that I will remember is. Um, when we were trying to flat at Chicago the, the runways where they parked the planes was it was frozen over so you know the. The little uh, like the tugboats that pull the the planes out of the parking lots that the wheels were spinning. It was, So we were, de- we were delayed about three hours on the plane. We had just lost, you know, a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And when we landed in New Orleans, uh, at w- I think it was one or two o'clock in the morning, there was, uh, there was about 10,000 fans there to greet us, you know, yeah. after we lost the game. But so That was really, you know, it'd be um, it'd be tough to uh, beat that team and uh, that experience, just because you know everything that it meant. You know, with I mean, when I took the job there, um, you know, we stayed at uh, the airport, the airport Hilton in Metairie, which is you know right across the street from the airport. It's about a four-mile drive from the hotel into the facility. So, you know, the first several months, that's the only thing you're seeing going back and forth. But you saw enough, you know, you saw the, the same abandoned cars on the on the streets for week after week after week. Well, when Paulette finally came out, and we were going to uh, look at a home that we were buying, which was in Mandeville across the bridge, we were we are, we're driving back towards the city and you can see the Superdome. And she said, let's, let's drive down there. Let's look at it. And it was the first time I had drawn driven through there to see like the devastation from, from the storm and what it did. And, you know, all I can tell you is when we got back to the hotel, uh, a bunch of the coaches were in the lobby and, uh, and Paulette told him, she said, "Guys, when your wives come down, if they ask you to take her downtown to show to look at it, don't do it. You know, because it, it was it was just. I and mean, what we saw on television, you know, very accurate, but what you don't get is the the scope of it, right? The the panorama of it, like how big the area is and how you know, and and it was." It was in sections too because you'd go to one block it didn't look like anything happened and then you'd go to you know a hundred yards into another block and everything's flattened you know it just was you know so to to be a part of that rebuild um you know and to see be a part of the rebirth of that city was was really cool and, and i really like the color schemes too on the uniforms
0: And that team, right? Just what that team brought back to that city, just the the, maybe. Um, this is the reporter in me, but just like the hope, right? And just like you know, some something positive in that. And you talked about Steve Gleason. I think he had he had a block punt that, like, right? That was a big play for you guys. And I mean, wow, I I can't. I mean, you just to think of you can definitely. Have you thought about writing a book, Coach?
1: I have. I. You know, I'm 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 open. If someone wants to help me write it, I would you know I would love because I, I I I have thought about it, and um, you know, if nothing else, it would be a nice thing to be able to pass down to my kids and my grandchildren one day.
0: Just the stories, I mean, and we are basically just touching the surface on some of this stuff, and we're almost an hour in. And I'm like, man, I told you half an hour, 45 minutes, and we can probably – I mean, there's so much well, probably like,
1: more. I'll have, to come, I'll have to come back, so that's all.
0: You know what? There's only been one part two um, – back-to-back episodes was Nate Sassaman, uh, a year or so back. And he, he, we could probably have done a part three, but I mean, you're right. You're right there, coach. Uh, one Nate. more, a couple more quick. Oh, go ahead.
1: Nate's one. I love Nate. Nate Sassaman. Man, a that
0: star. guy is like uh, unbelievable guy. Unbelievable. And, uh, man, I gotta, I gotta touch base with him. He, he said he'd come back once a year and the, the year's already passed. So we got to get him back on. Um, <laughs> Couple quick questions. One and then we'll wrap this up. I want to ask you for what do you think about what Army's doing special teams wise? Uh Sean Saternio is, you know, had done a really good job with special teams. Mm-hmm. Um last year in the Army Navy game, that black that block punt into a touchdown is a game changer. It's why sure. they probably won the game. Noah short had the big play, Jabril Williams hops on it in the end zone. Yeah. What do you think about what he's done at West Point I, special teams wise? I love
1: what I love what they're doing. Um I love what uh you know, I love yeah, I love everything, you know. They're winning, and and you know, as as fans of Army football, I mean, we want to see our team win. You know, I think they've done a f- fantastic job. I'm really, really proud of uh, you know what they're doing. And uh, gosh, I mean, if I can ever help, let me know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you look at that last game that they played, right, the Army-Navy game, the block punt, right? We talk about how important special teams is. And then you have those two clutch kicks by Quinn Moretsky. Um, right. You know, one late and then one in double overtime. I mean, that's – special teams was a gigantic part of that game. Yeah. And I don't know if you've had any conversations with Coach Munkin, but he's hes super he's big on special teams play, super big. Yeah. He's involved in it. They have periods – I think they have like four or five periods uh, – in, in practice every day, that they go over special teams to the detail. I mean, to like the actual like, if you're a, a centimeter lined up the wrong way, Coach Munken's going to tell you off. You know, Coach Munken's going to yeah, tell you right.
1: But, you know that that's, you know, the, I I wasn't aware of the how much time they get and all that stuff, but I mean, it doesn't surprise me with Coach munkin and and typically, especially in college football, you know. If you see a team that's consistently week in and week out, year in and year out, that they're good in the kicking game, I, there's a you can almost bet your money that that the head coach is involved in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. You know, and because it starts from the top, and, and it's like anything else. If, if you don't if you don't spend the time on it, if you don't uh, allocate the uh, the personnel, then you know, you, you can't expect to be very good. You know, so um, you know, time and uh, time and effort and you know, a genuine commitment. You know, those are the three things that are, are are huge. And you know, anytime, you know, anytime the head coach is on board and the head coach is, you know, emphasizing it, you know, it's gonna get it's gonna get done. You know, because the players. The, the players, they see it, they they feel it, and uh, it makes that special teams coach's job a lot easier when when he's got the backing of the head coach.
0: I think it's helped a couple guys, Army guys, get into the NFL, right? Elijah Riley, Cole Christensen, and John Rattigan. Um yep. Those guys have spent a lot of time on special teams in the NFL, and uh, they certainly <laughs> – put a lot of time in that West point on it. So it's not like they're going in blindly and saying, Hey, they might have took a rep here or covered a kick here or there, you yeah. know, in college, you know, those guys were on special teams a lot for, mm-hmm. um, for army um, in their time, Radigan especially. And uh, man, I- I'm looking forward to seeing him play for the Seahawks this year. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, just one last one. What do you, what are you up to now? You, you mentioned briefly, uh, I know you retired from coaching right last, yeah. last year. Uh-
1: took my nfl pension and i am in palm coast florida uh, which is about an hour south of jacksonville and i just started a job in um really late february for beginning of march as a business development rep for uh, bsn sports and so um jim slomka is literally my boss he, he's our he's the cro for the company um it's you know it's a privately held company uh, did about 1.5 billion last year we're we're the number one uh, athletic apparel and equipment distributor and manufacturer in the united states uh number one partner for with uh, nike and uh, both nike and under armor we have a if you you look at a football field baseball diamond you know basketball court you know if everything other than the players in the grass we 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 either sell it or make it <laughs> so it's uh it is very cool it's uh it's allowing me to kind of stay engaged uh you know i got a chance to see coach Sutton a couple times uh went up there for Otas i got to go to you know i'll make my way around to most of the teams this training camp just to make sure that that their needs are taken being taken care of
0: that's awesome. That's awesome. And you look at like you talked about uh, Coach Sutton and Jim Slumpka, two guys that we want to get on this Black Knight Nation podcast very soon. Uh, working to get Jim and Connor on Connor at the same time, hopefully one of these days. That would be really great. Yeah, and man, it too. was really, yeah, Coach Bob, Bob, it was really great having you on today. Like we said, we we're about an hour in and we could probably go a little longer here. We could probably have to do a part two. Maybe we'll get Steve Anderson involved in a little part two. Uh once he becomes available, but it was really great guys. If you're watching uh, this, please check out our YouTube channel, black bucket nations, YouTube channel. You'll see interviews like this also on, uh, we had Jeremy Boltus on uh, our last uh, podcast was w- when the, um, Army lacrosse team. That's a while back when the Army lacrosse team was in the NCAAs. We had Jeremy Boltus on. He's one of the better lacrosse players. But you, we talked about Pat Work. You know, he's been on our podcast. We talked about Ben Kotwika. He's been on the podcast. You know, Cole Christensen before. We got to get these guys back on. But it's great to have, you know, guys like that and and you, Coach, on tonight. Thanks so much for your time and really look forward to talking to you soon.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Sal. I appreciate it. it was uh, The pleasure was all mine.